0: welcome to marriage mondays with the kings i'm kenya and i'm shan and and we we are are the the kings
1: Kings. happy monday you all we hope and pray that you all had an amazing an amazing amazing weekend like we try to do um we want to welcome you for another show of marriage mondays with kings marriage mondays with the kings is brought to you by christian humor for slash inspiration which is a group that's designed to uplift inspire and bring humor to everyday life in a christian way if you are on the social media, please check them out simply by going to search them on Facebook at christianhumor slash inspiration. Then we have hope, which is helping our patrons evolve. Hope is a space for all veterans and their loved ones to come and feel like they are understood. Veterans around the globe suffer every day from a pain they cannot escape. Hope offers encouragement for those who are searching for a place to connect. Let us be a supportive resource as you travel along your journey. Hope is not for mental health services. For that, you will have to find a supportive mental health resource within your community or at your local Veteran Health Administration. For more information, please visit their website at HopeVeteranStrong.com. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Prolific moves start here with Prolific Realty. Visit their website at prolificrealtorswithanS.com or call Alexis White at 254 702 5332. We always open up with a word of prayer so what we do is we ask if you are safely able to bow your heads if you're listening with your honey or your family if you all can join hands and we're going to go ahead and get started with tonight's show. Most gracious heavenly Father, we come to you right now dear God giving you all glory honor and praise dear God. We thank you for this time heavenly Father. We thank you for waking us up on this morning. We thank you for carrying us throughout our days dear God and protecting us while we sleep heavenly Father, dear God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, dear God just lifting up every marriage to you, every individual that's joining on tonight, dear God, you know what each individual is going through, dear God, we ask that you would just touch and you would just come in like never before, dear God, have your way in their lives, dear God, in the name of Jesus, dear God, dear God, we come before you, dear God, as this month is a month for mental health awareness, dear God, we ask that no one suffer in silence, Heavenly Father, that individuals would seek the help that they need, dear God, that there will be no shame in it, Heavenly Father. Dear God, we ask that anybody that they connect with in, 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 getting help, dear God, that you would just bless it, Heavenly Father, dear God, that the individuals will be made whole, dear God, in their minds, in their bodies, and in their souls, dear God. We ask a special prayer for Kenya and I, dear God, and the guests on tonight, that you would just be in the midst, Heavenly Father, that you would just go forth like never before as you speak through us, dear God, that a word would be said, Heavenly Father, that will bless the hearers of tonight's show, dear God. Dear God, we ask that there will be an unction in individual spirits, dear God, that they would no longer, as I said earlier, suffer in silence, but they would seek the help that they need, Heavenly Father. We ask that you will bless the stations that this will be aired on, dear God. We ask that you would just continue to just have your head in everything that is done, Heavenly Father. We thank you so much, so much for this time, dear God. We ask that you will continue to have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And our foundational scripture for the show is Matthew, the 19th chapter and the sixth verse. And it reads, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate.
1: And so our motto for Marriage Mondays with the Kings, as you all may know, and for those who are new, is helping to build stronger marriages, which lead to stronger families and stronger communities.
0: And our disclaimer, views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. The station holds no responsibility for the validity or accuracy of information on this show.
1: And please keep in mind that although we are counseling professionals, the information shared on our show is for ministry educational purposes only. Also, note that the topics discussed are reflective of supporters who contact us desiring to have a deeper knowledge of these topics. No information is shared on our show based upon our counseling experiences. Topics are for the encouragement of marriages, families, and communities as God desires for us to minister.
0: And of course, as my wife was talking about those topics, we have a very new topic that we're going to be getting into in today's show and carrying out throughout the month of May. Um, My wife alluded to earlier as she was praying and we're going to be talking about mental health month. And today's topic is going to be counseling with the pastor come on, once again today's topic is going to be counseling with the pastor
1: yes and so as kenya was saying being that this is mental health awareness month of me come on now of course we're gonna talk on mental health and hope that people get the help that they need so that will be our focus for this month we're not going to give too much away mm-hmm. however starting off the month we have pastor jamal Graves. I hope I said his first name right, but he can get it there in a minute. And so we want to thank you so much, sir, for joining us. And we ask that you would just take this time to introduce yourself.
2: Hey, everyone. My name is Pastor Jamel Graves, and I am uh, the senior lead pastor of the CEO Church and also the founder of the ARC Christian Counseling Center located in Plano, Texas. And I am excited to be a part of um, Mondays with the Kings, Marriage Mondays with the Kings. And I'm so excited about what God has in store for today. So really looking forward to today's show. All right. Well,
0: all right. Well, sir, we definitely appreciate your introduction. We appreciate you giving us some of your time. We know that as a pastor, uh, you're always uh, looking over and after your flock. And yes. the, we just feel honored that you were to take some time out to bless us with your presence and to give a word to the people that will be listening uh, on tonight's show. Yes. And so we're, we're going to just jump right off into this thing. Uh, called Mental Health Awareness Month and and really just hit on this topic about mental health um, and mental health awareness. So the first question uh, that I have for you, sir, is, you know, do you feel, or why do you feel that mental health awareness is important?
2: Uh, Number one, I believe that mental health awareness is is important because sometimes we look over the fact that we have issues um, and that we have problems. And we try to sometimes suppress um, the issue that we have a problem, and so I believe that mental health awareness is one of those things that you start to realize I have a problem, and once you be able to once you're able to identify that you have a problem, then you're able to say God I need help or find a solution to the problem that you have, and I think that's the number one reason. Number two, uh, I believe mental health awareness is important because it gives uh, light on the reason why we have so many complications. You know, um, one thing that I'll say is most people say their church hurt, but they don't realize the church did not hurt them. People did. And so when you start to realize that people hurt you and not things, you know, we don't never say the club hurt me, right? Uh, We don't never say uh, the grocery store hurt me or Mm -hmm. my job hurt me. No, it's people that hurt you. And so we want to be able to deal with that. And so mental health awareness allows us to be able to focus on, um, uh, the, the claim that things don't hurt us. People do. Mm.
1: This is going to be good. I can feel it. I can feel it. So one of the things that, um, we talk about here on marriage Mondays with the Kings, we try to keep it real across the board. Mm -hmm. And so we're so happy to have a pastor. And let me just clarify, your focus is pastoral counseling, correct? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Just wanted to make sure. So with pastoral counseling, so this is the question that I want to ask next. Do you feel that the church is addressing the importance of mental health And, you know, why or why not? Um, Honestly, I believe, depending on the church,
2: um, and let me say this, um, people run from conflict. Pastors run from conflict. And so it is very broad for me to say that for the most part, pastors don't want to deal with conflict. So the church... um, Some of them and majority of African-American churches, we do not have counseling centers in our church because we don't want to deal with the conflict or the lawsuits that come behind it. So it's not so much that we don't want to we don't admit that there are problems within people. Sometimes we try to over spiritualize problems until we try to just sha-tie everything versus actually dealing with the issue. And so today that's my tonight, that's my whole focus is to to deal with how to to lack, uh to to stop over spiritualizing issues and let's start dealing with people's behaviors. Because honestly, people are sick and they're just not physically sick in the and in just vomiting or things like that. They are sick in their mind. And we can blame it on the devil, but it's not the devil. Sometimes it's just things and past traumas that people have been through. And as the church, we are afraid to deal with that because sometimes it's the people in the church that cause the trauma. And when it becomes the people in the church that cause the trauma, then that's become the issue. It it was the preacher that slept with the boy. (laughs) We're not going there. It's the preacher that slept with the boy. It was the preacher that got the young girl pregnant. It was the preacher, right? Or the deacon or the ministers. And because it was the lack of dealing with conflict we brushed it under, and it and it's caused us to be in the place that we are right now, presently.
1: I don't understand how when our head hurts, or when our tooth hurts, or when that back go out. We are in the emergency room. We are in the doctor's office. We have no issue with that at all. Like we we semi-got an attitude because you're taking too long. Because I told you my tooth was hurting and you know my back was hurting. But when it comes to the mental health, we sweep it under the rug. Now, even in the New Testament, and I ain't trying to preach to the pastor, but this is for the people because <laughs> you know we study these things. Even in the New Testament, it speaks about how the people were brought to Jesus mm-hmm. and how even those with mental, it is in the Bible and the New Testament was brought to Jesus, but again, over spiritualizing. Now a lot of that I believe, and no not to our elders and ancestors or whatever, we were taught. We were taught to just cast our cares on the Lord and leave it there. and then some other things we were taught, especially in the African American community. Mm-hmm. you know, we're not crazy. So spiritual bypass, it says it refers to the avoidance of these problematic issues by a person misusing their spiritual beliefs, practices, or experiences rather than addressing the struggle at the level at which it occurs. Now, this is Cashwell and Giordano, somebody from 2014. You know, we didn't, we didn't, Kings didn't come up with this. (laughs) However, it says, Although this may seem helpful in avoiding the pain in the here and now, in the long run, spiritual bypass is a maladaptive practice. Come on, counsel a term. Um, An example of spiritual bypass is a person driven by an inner need to cover up deep insecurities, Mm, mm -mm. becoming overly involved in services and outreach. I'm offended. And outreach to others instead of striving for spiritual fulfillment. Okay, come on, Pastor, what you got?
2: So Paul tells us, forgetting those things which are behind me. But I press towards the mark of my high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I believe that we have taken scripture out of proportion. Because he's telling you that in order for you to forget it, you got to press through it. We miss that because what we try to do is automatically forget it without going through a process. There is a process to deliverance. There is a process to being free. There is a process to overcoming. There is a process, but what the church has done is that we have quoted so many scriptures until we miss the piece of the puzzle, and that is the pressing in the midst of the hurt. So what pressing means is that I, I just I just thought of something. Up north I live I live in North North Dallas, North Texas, north north of Dallas. And they are thinking about building a 380 bypass because there's so much traffic. Let me say it again. There's so much traffic on 380 until they're de- they're determining to build a bypass to be able to go around instead of them being stuck in traffic. What we do is because we do not want to deal with the problem and we don't want to go through the press, we bypass. And what happens is we get it in scripture or we should forget what we've been through until we do not go through the system or the strategy or the the counseling to get through to be able to see the fullness of God. So we bypass it. We bypass the 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 the. We overcome by our testimony. In order for us to overcome by our testimony, we must endure a test. And what if what we have been through is a part of our test, but we cannot have a testimony until we have pressed through and gone through the steps we need to go through to get to where God has us? And I think that's the, the one of the biggest problems that we have is because we want to overcome and forget things quickly. For instance, if something happened to us yesterday, we wanna forget it tomorrow so we can move on with our lives. But what happens is it lies dormant in our hearts. Dormant means that it's not going away. It's still there. And then what happens is as soon as a trigger happens and then it comes back up. Oh, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, ooh, you know that, you know, you hurt me just like Jeff hurt me and you hurt me like such and such hurt me because it was a trigger. You let it sit dormant, but you never dealt with it. You never pressed towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus.
0: Yeah, that, that's good. And, you know, I, I want to go out there. Um, I, I work in the area of uh, suicide prevention and, and intervention. Mm-hmm. And um, in some of the classes that I teach, we ask the question, why is it that we continue to have suicides? Why do we continue to have problems uh, when it comes in the area of uh, mental health or, or behavioral health? And so I tend to believe that, number one, people have to recognize that there's a problem and you have to own that. Uh, as an individual. Mm -hmm. One of the second things that I truly believe in that this was not something I came up with on my own. I was doing a little bit of research. I was between Facebook, TikTok, the internet. And I came across a professor that taught this in a class. And basically what he's saying is people believe that because they go through things, they lose their value. Mm. And so what, what he said was, if you take a $20 bill, it's brand new and crisp, you hold it up, then You ask people if they want that $20 bill. Yeah, everybody wants it. Then he crumples it up and hands start to go down. There's some people that don't want it anymore. Mm -hmm. Then you get somebody, you drop it on the floor, you step on it. Nobody wants the money now because they say it's dirty, it's filthy, but the $20 bill never lost its value. Mm -hmm. I believe that we as Christians have to understand Jesus is that individual that knows we have hurts. He knows we have pains. He knows Mm -hmm. we have sorrows, but just because we go through that... We don't lose our value.
1: Right, right, right. And
0: for me, one of the biggest things that says that is while Jesus was yet hanging on the cross, the thief right beside him had that opportunity. Right. We have to look at that and we have to kind of expound on that, put ourselves in that situation and say, just because I've been through some things don't mean I'm less than. Right,
1: right. And
0: just like you said, sir, we have to go through it in order to be able to give that testimony on the other side. Because once we give that testimony, that may be the thing that shot someone else into going through it as well.
1: Mm, mm -mm. Look, what you got, Pastor? You know, but,
2: but not only that, not only to the dollar, we're like gold. The more we are put in fire, the better value we are. We could be shaped into anything. You know, and so what happens is... We so we are so busy determining our lives from the standpoint of of Western Christianity until we have missed our own value that we are a royal priesthood. That's that's what the scripture says that that we are a royal we are a royal priesthood. We were separated. So, you know we had to come out of some stuff to come through some stuff, but. And then I think about the diamond in the rough. You know, the the thing about the diamond in the rough is it does not look valuable when you pull it out of what it's been. But once you clean it up, I wish somebody would help me. I don't know if you're in your car riding down the street, high five your neighbor and say, "Once God cleans me up, I'm better." I'm be- I'm a preacher of the heart, so you know I I'll hoop in a minute. But but neither here nor there. When God, the, the process of it is is that people don't know their value because no one ever loved on them in that capacity. And when you have not been loved on in that capacity, you don't feel your worth because no one has ever told you that you're worthy. Worth, worthy, worth, worthy. So so when people start to um, give you words of affirmation, then it sometimes tells you, "Good job." But on the other end, when you can encourage yourself, ah, because you got to realize, uh, 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 J-Bass said, you have to learn how to encourage yourself. Sometimes people are not going to tell you you did a good job. Sometimes people are not going to tell you that, that you that you are who you say you are. But sometimes you got to know how to say to yourself in the mornings, in the, in the evenings, in the, in, the, in the midnight hour, how you can say, you know what, you coming out of this. You're going to come out of this with power. But sometimes you got to also tell yourself, I need help. And I can't do this by myself. You can't
1: you can't do it by yourself. And that's the thing that I set up and I think about, too, because as I was thinking about the spiritual bypass and got sideways offended, um, I was guilty of saying. God is going to fix it. God's going to do. I believe that I have the faith. And that's what Kenny and I speak about all the time. But faith without works. It seemed like we pick parts of the scripture, but we don't work through the rest of the scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting up here uh, maybe having having. i ain't going to say maybe I was having issues within myself. But yet and still, I don't want the church members in the church. To look at me as if I got issues because they're too busy looking at me like I got it all together. And so what I think that we do as a people is we'll sit up and it's more important that it's just me. Let me let me just bring it on down to me, because some people, you know, like they say, you perfect. So we talking to the ones who perfect. But for me, I found myself that it was more important for people to see me as perfect the vehicle that I drove to work in, the clothes that I got on them bags, the bad six inch heels I got on walking down the, the aisle or whatever, but I'm suffering on the inside. And yes, I can't wait for pastor to have altar call, which I see that a lot. I ain't gonna say a lot, but More than not, ministries have moved away from altar call. So when you got altar call, deliverance and all that, that's not a thing anymore because that's not cool and that's what's not keeping the people. But when I'm I'm doing the work or going to the altar because I'm casting my cares because that's what I'm told or whatnot, then what I'm doing is say, okay, I already did my part. I went down to the altar or whatever. And I remember our bishop when we were stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I remember this man came down the aisle with a rucksack on and it was full of weight and he put it down on the altar. But he said the problem is we don't leave it on the altar and go do the work, we pick it right back up off the altar, put it right back on and carry it right on up out of there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. Because I I don't want nobody to be looking at me and judging me. And you know, this person asking that person who's working altar. Well, what did uh Evangelist King come up there? And what what was what was the prayer about? Which y'all wrong? If y'all altar workers and y'all doing that, go sit down. That's what our bishop taught us. Anywho, I digress. But I'm sitting up here suffering within myself from probably childhood trauma. And it wasn't probably, that's what it was from my experience. And then I'm trying to be a whole wife, a whole mom. Um, I'm trying to be a soldier. I'm trying to be whatever I am in the military. I'm carrying all this weight on me, but I'm suffering in silence because I'm too busy worried about what my fellow church members would think if they knew that I went and got some help. On top of that, being an African-American, I'm not crazy. What you got Pastor?
2: Let me tell you, I think the number one deadly virus, because we're just now coming out of the pandemic, our number one deadly virus is suffering in silence. Keeping things quiet is the number one deadliest virus. Um, Transparent. My mother had an illness that I never knew she had. And she tried to hold this facade so long of being perfect until she died dealing with the problem. And when I found out what the problem was, I got angry because it wasn't even that big of a deal. But she was so afraid on how the people were going to respond to her issue. And how it could have destroyed my ministry until she died hurting and wounded over what people in the church was going to say about her issue. So then when I preached her funeral, I talked about the woman at the well, how the only person that could deal with your issue is Jesus. And had she had the opportunity to come to me and say, "This is what I'm dealing with," we could have walked her through the steps on how to overcome people because you can never understand God if you cannot overcome people because God will be speaking to you, but what you hear in your ear is going to speak louder than what God is saying to you right then and there. So the most deadliest killer in my opinion, is keeping secrets that hold you bound, that hold you mentally, physically, emotionally bound. If it happened, this is the thing. Do not cast your pearls into swine. We say that, right? You got to learn how to communicate with the right person. Because too many times you keep telling hurt people your hurt problems and they put hurt on top of hurt. You need to go to somebody that at least is halfway healed or in a better position than you to heal your problem, help you walk through your problem so you can get to the other side. But stop indulging in too many. I don't sometimes it, it frustrates me because we want to indulge in our problem. Some of us like misery. And sometimes what we do is misery makes company with other people that are miserable. And so then we we get angry with God because God didn't heal us or God didn't deliver us or God didn't set us free. But the whole part of it was you liked the misery that you were in. And then we call misery ministry. So now you start a church off of the hurt that you've been in. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me. Oh man, I could I could high-find my own self. Now you want to start a church, and now the church is filled with a whole bunch of hurt people, and you're confused because you don't know why the church is not growing. I don't know why I went this way. It's all because you thought your misery was a part of your ministry when really you should have got delivered before you ever took any position in the church. This is why we got church hurt, because we got unhealed people in positions that they have no business operating in. Can you be a doorkeeper first? Can you usher in the house of God first? Huh? Before you get up in the pulpit and saying praise and worship, Can can we get you delivered first? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the church is for perfect people, but there are certain segments that you need to be delivered from before you start pouring all of that out on other people. And then you get frustrated because they didn't treat you right because really secrets that, too
0: long. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that is good. And so, you know, being that we're really focusing on uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, a question that I have for you is, from your position as a, a minister, a pastor doing pastoral counseling, when it comes to the younger generation, how are those individuals seeking counsel? How are they receiving um, a, a word to help them get past their behavioral health uh, issues?
2: I'm going to say this um, most millennials gen x's coming in gen y z's all of them cuz all it's just so many of them x y z um, they are tired of contradiction it was so funny me and my wife were talking about this yesterday she said they are tired and we are tired of seeing our parents fight at home And come to church and put on a high holy hat. Oh, y'all don't wanna say amen with me. It's all right. Put on a high holy hat and say, This is the God we serve. And so they are confused because the example they see at home is not the same example they see in the church. So, mentally, hear me, mentally, they are confused. Because if God is like this, then I would rather not go to church. I would rather just find my own relationship with God because the people in the world treat me better than the people in the church. So this next generation is having a fallout with the church because what the representation of who God is is not the same of who we preach about.
1: Um, we always say that there is a, a shift. And so you got us and how we were raised in the church and then you got the young people. But you got our generation and older just getting mad at the younger people and they just heathens and casting them to hell and all this other kind of stuff like that. And the young people want the help. But like you said, it's like, they totally, they speak their mind. We was taught not to, you know, it's so many things. So it's almost like there is a clash And judgment. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to let me ask this question, kind of subbing off of that question, when it comes to getting help in the church, I even have heard church members that say, listen, I don't want to go. And this ain't speaking about nobody in the counseling room. This is just friends in general, because we how we do here is how the kings are all the time. But they say, I don't want to go to my pastor in church. Because, and my husband was just talking about this on last week's show, shout out to Lady She, Lady She podcast, Um, because like for the men, I may tell you that this is what I'm going through as the man of God, but then come next Sunday, you preaching about my issue over the pool pit. So the man don't come. And then the wife is mad at the husband because you're not coming because you're supposed to be the head and the word of God say you're supposed to be the head and you're not even going to church and you ain't leading us spiritually because you're not going to church. But the head of the home is offended and the pastor, he or she was out of order. (laughs) So what do you say about that, pastor?
2: I'm gonna be a hundred percent. Most of my clients that I see in my office are men and they don't belong to my church. And the men that belong to my church, we keep it 100%. And when, and and I tell people all the time, you gotta have someone in your marriage that uh, doesn't agree with neither one of y'all, but loves both of y'all. That can be the middle person in your marriage. Because when me and my wife was going through, we had a middle person in our marriage that did not agree with me and did not agree with her and was not my yes man was not her. Yes. Woman. They, they totally told us you're out of order. And it made us go back and reevaluate some things. So for that, I believe I'm about to get in trouble. It's all right. Don't, don't inbox me after this, but I believe that some preachers have become so good liars until we are afraid to tell the truth about what we're really going through. I can't talk about women preachers because I ain't no women preach woman preacher, but most men preachers are some of the biggest liars because we don't want to tell nobody the truth about what we're actually going through until we put up these walls because we want people, again, to see what we want them to see, but behind closed doors. It's all falling apart. And so men want counseling. Millennials want counseling. And what has happened is the women, what I am seeing now, the women are starting not to come to counseling more than the men are because the men are to the point, I don't know what to do. And the reason why they are at that point is because the women are getting ready to walk away. See, I tell people this. Oh, Lord, don't get in trouble. Finding a man is like finding a parking space. If you find one, they're rather all the way in the back or they handicap. And believe it or not, the ties are changing. Finding a woman is like finding a parking space. Because what happens is women have been hurt so much until they're just trying to find the next person that can help them provide for them then they are looking for someone that's in love with them because it's hard to find men. And the reason why it's hard to find men is because real men are not teaching other men how to be men. We're just trying to do things on our own. So it is causing men not to trust men and it's pushing them away. So now we are now I'm raising two, two girls. I have a boy and two girls and I'm raising men in my church so therefore, when my daughters get older, they don't have to go out here and find crazy men. They can find men that their daddy helped raise. I wish somebody would help me here. Mm, that is good. That is My good. God. And,
0: and, and sir, I really appreciate you bringing that to the forefront, especially the analogy when it comes to uh, the parking lot. And I think in relationships, when it comes to behavioral health, we have to understand that if we don't get the help that we need, it's going to rub off on somebody else.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: If we don't get the help that we need, me as a man, eventually that's going to rub down to my wife. Now, me and her are fighting and arguing and going through. Then the next thing you know, one of our children is going through some Mm -hmm. stuff. And then another child. Then all of a sudden it's done jump from the child. They talking to somebody in another family. Now it's running up another tree. We we don't understand that that's how the devil operates. He wants to get into the head of men, just like he did in in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. He, He went to he went to. Eve, but he knew she was going to get inside Adam's head. We got to be careful sometimes of the things that we say, because mm-hmm. we got to learn how to speak life, like you said, into our own situations. Right. And we can't let everybody speak something into us. Mm-hmm. We got to have that discernment because everybody that you're telling your issues to really ain't a listening ear. They yes. just ready, they just ready to run and go Try tell somebody
2: Magdal- else. <laughs>
0: ready to tell somebody Jesus. else. And so one of the things I think we have to do is, is we have to look at ourselves in a positive uh, nature. Mm. We are not a diagnosis. You don't live by that. People say it all the time. Uh, I may have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. Why can't we say the same thing when it comes to behavioral health? Mm. I I may be going through some bipolar issues right about now at this time, but you know what? I'm healed in the name of Jesus and I'm going to do something about it.
1: Right. Doing the work. I like that. I like that. Go ahead, sir.
2: You you know what? What just you you brought up Adam, so I'm gonna go to Adam, right? Adam deals with a mental health issue, and no one ever wants to admit he has a mental health issue. Y'all ready for this? God tells Adam, "Do not eat of the garden." Before he eats of the 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 garden, Adam is already naked. Y'all hear this? When disobedience kicks in, he then identifies that he is naked and he begins to run and no one is chasing him. Let me say it again. He begins to run and no one is chasing him. He is trying to hide from God, but no one is chasing Adam. So then when God begins to call his name, watch this, he is intellectually going through because God is chasing him. And he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam is hiding as if God cannot see him. When you are operating in disobedience. And you think that there is no problem. Then you begin to run from God. The number one reason why some of us blame other people is because we did something we had no business doing or we got caught up in something we had no business business getting caught up in. And when God begins to call our name, we operate in atomology and we start running from God rather than running to God.
1: My God. From- I like that. You said Adamology. Yeah, Ooh, I ain't mm-hmm. never heard of that before that thing. <laughs> okay. Let me settle. Let me yeah. settle. Cause I got excited. <laughs> Look like they say you preaching yourself happy. There you go. Okay. So we can tell just by you speaking that you sound really passionate about the work that you are doing about pastoral um, care counseling. So why do you have such a passion for this work?
2: I have a passion because I was once broken. Um, I was broken in the concept of not being able to have an outlet. Uh, Like you said in the beginning, pastors were some people that if you did tell your business to, they would tell it over the pulpit. And I believe that God is raising up a generation of pastors after his own heart. I've never heard God tell somebody else my secret. God might have told them my problem, but he never told them my secret. And how many times have we told someone our secret and our secret got out? So I believe that God is raising me up to be a pastor that can counsel people out of their issue and their issue is never exploited over the pulpit. Because until we stop hurting people, people will never come to God. Most of my millennials are not looking for another religious service. They're looking for a move of God. Let me say it again. They're not looking for a religious service. They're not looking for praise and worship. They're not looking for a prayer meet. They're not looking for anything else. They want to see God move. They want to see his miracle signs and wonders. They want to have their mind free of, of, of taunting demons because guess what? We don't want to admit it. These young people are going through demonic forces and they don't know how to get free and they don't know how to express it to people because people think they are automatically crazy. But they're in, we they are going through what the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness and weakness and high places. These are things that are happening in high places. And so my passion is that I was that kid. I was that kid, you would have said, he's crazy. But I knew I saw demons and I knew I was not demon possessed, but I knew I saw demons. And I remember, I remember, um, I-, I told my wife this one day. <laughs> I messed up and told somebody, but I heard, I heard murder. Literally, I was driving down the road and I heard murder and I saw myself killing myself at a young age, being in an elementary school. I would go home and I I would stick a knife up to my throat. My sister is going to listen to this and she's going to be like, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I stuck a a knife to my throat because I heard the enemy tell me, You will never become who God wants you to be. And I fought myself. I knew who God was calling me to be, but I could not see myself getting there because it was so many demonic forces. And so and I couldn't tell anybody until it was bottled up. And then even as I got older, I dealt with these things, but no one would be there to listen. And I never knew God was taking me through that so I could be an ear to someone else that was going through the exact same thing that I could encourage them and say, you're not crazy. The hand of God is on your life and the enemy wants to take you out. But guess what? In the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of fear. We bind the spirit of doubt and you will become who God has called you to be. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up, that rises up against you, thou shalt condemn. Who shall condemn? The Holy Spirit, the, the Yahweh, our, our Elohim, our, our King of kings he shall condemn. And so that's why my passion is where it is.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh God, this, this is good. And sir, you know, I want to, I want to thank you for answering that question about passion. Mm -hmm. Um, I went through that a lot um, in my line of work. And what I've had to tell individuals is this, I don't know if somebody else could have said this There's something that just popped in my spirit one day. And I told the individual, if you don't understand my passion, you'll never understand my purpose. Mm. Oftentimes when we were dealing with stuff on our own, it is God in the midst of that. said, I need to use you to come up out of this so you can drag somebody else up out of
2: this. Mm -hmm.
0: What I tend to see when it comes to behavioral health is that individuals kind of look at themselves like the woman with the issue of blood.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They want to run to everybody else instead of the people that can do them the most good that's going to help them. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say, if, if I had to preach a sermon, I would say, you know, y'all need to learn how to press your weight.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's not always about trying to get to the hem of the garment of Jesus, but are you going to do the work and, and realize that you're going through something? You ain't got to suffer through something for 12 years before you get to Jesus.
1: Right. right. You can start
0: handling it right off the bat.
1: Mm-mm, my and God. You know, the,
2: the whole concept to that is, they got to know that Jesus can. And the reason why I feel it took her a minute to get to Jesus was because she thought everyone else had her best interest in heart, but they waited until she didn't have anything. And she went to Jesus on empty. Goodness gracious. And that's a point right there. Sometimes you got to wait until you don't have no other, other means to get to Jesus. Because sometimes, especially some of us that have accomplished some stuff in our lives, got our degrees and we're a little smart now, right? Sometimes we don't need Jesus because we think we got our knowledge. But I would rather go to heaven with my ABCs and knowing my one, two, threes than to go to hell with all my degrees. That's Mm. a good one. <laughs>
1: ooh, okay, 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 ooh, bring it down. Okay, so we got about probably like 15 minutes left in the show, but we got to ask this multi-million dollar question. Why now that we have a pastor on the show? This is actually the first time ever yeah, mm-hmm. in five years that we've had the privilege and honor of having the actual pastor on the show. So with that being no, yes, it is actually. So, anyway, with that being said, I'm gonna ask this question. Why do you feel that there are so many marriages that are struggling in the church? Ooh.
2: Marriages are struggling in the church. Ooh, I'm going to hit something, Jesus. Y'all pray for me. Because we are certified liars. We don't want to tell people how to have a successful marriage. We are scared. Because we have been in the church so long, there are no guidelines to the marital bedroom. And what we try to do is take bits and pieces out of the scripture to dictate what we can and cannot do. Wherein, the Bible tells us, not taking that out of context, the marital bedroom is not defiled. Lack of communication tears a relationship apart. And there are usually three things that destroys a marriage. Lack of communication, lack of sex, and the third thing, lack of money. Want to ever break up a marriage? Those are three things that's going to destroy a marriage, right? And for communication, we say take it to God. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Wherein, the problem is not between you and the Lord, it's between you and your spouse. (laughs) So you want to take it to the Lord when you should have took it to your husband. You want to take it to the Lord when you should have took it to your wife. That's number one. Sex. We have become so boxed in. So boxed. Until we feel like if we do something that's unorthodox, it's gonna send us to hell. Um, Lord, I'm be transparent. Lord, Lord, keep me, keep me. I was holier than thou. No, no, no. Seriously, I was holier than thou, and and y'all can see I got my earrings in and I got a tattoo now. It I was going through a midlife crisis, pray for me. But I was so holy until when I married my wife she was not as holy as I would have chosen her to be. She had a nose ring when I met her. She had blue hair when I met her. And I I called them stripper stockings. They're not them fishnet stockings. That's what she wore. And when I met her, I loved her for her, but I tried to change her because of who I thought the church needed her to be. Hear me. So I started to change her to being this hat wearing, uh, church suit wearing female. And that's not who she was. I wanted her to become my first lady and did not want her to become my wife. So I put her in a category that I thought she needed to be in to, to make me feel better about me. Oh, now see, that's not, y'all didn't want that kind of honesty. I wanted her to look like what I needed her to look like. So then when I got around my boys, they would say, oh, I wish I had a first lady like that. But I did not realize I was killing the, the her that I married and the woman I loved. But trying to make her to be what I wanted her to be. So fast forward, uh, I started to do all these different things and started to kill her. And I was helping me, but did not realize the problem was not her. It was me. So then I started being so holy. Then my wife, somehow, I don't know how it happened. Let me tell you when it started, the pandemic. The pandemic helped me find out that I really was not in love with my wife. I loved the things she could do for me and was not in love. So then we had to come in and start learning how to love each other as friends and as husband and wife and not as pastor and first lady. And it took some time for me to get there. Let me tell you, all it took me some time. So I say all of that to say sex, benevolence. I didn't do that. Or that. I was holy. But it took my wife to show me. So then after communication, you got to kind of have some agreement. This is what we do. This is what we not do. This is, you know, let's do this. Y'all communicate that thing together because the bedroom is not the file. And then money. We beat up one more time. I don't believe in having accounts that each other don't share together. I'm, I'm, i when we got married, we got married as one, and we don't hide no secrets. And when there become secrets in the household about money, there will always be a problem. I don't care who you are. You can call me right now and say, uh uh-uh, pastor, you a lie. The devil is Okay, try me. If there is not no money in my account, she does not have access to. And there is no money in her accounts that I don't have access to. Because if we go down, we're going down together. And if we go up, we're going up together. We got to stop telling these lies to ourselves. Oh, well, she had a life before mine. You're right, before yours. But now y'all are together. And if you start creating those avenues now, you're going to keep having problems forever. oh
0: my god yeah. and, oh. And, and and sir you, you're absolutely right and i Jesus. think what we failed to um realize and you said it so eloquently is that a lot of times when we have behavioral health issues right a lot of it stems directly from marriage mm. uh, it could be that issue where you have a uh a spouse that's mouthing off to her husband trying to get him to be like the pastor
1: mm. Mm
2: -mm -mm. And
0: because of that, he starts to have low self-esteem because now we're doing what the Bible told us not to do is compare ourselves one to another.
1: Yes, yes, And so
0: now this individual feels, if I don't live up to a certain standard, I'm not meeting the standard of my wife. So now I got to lie and put on a facade in order to make myself feel better. So Mm. the more I act, the deeper in my mess I go.
2: Come on. And then once I finally
0: get to that point where I realize. I'm at a point of almost no return, it's harder to pull that person out because right. you've been playing and acting for so long. Yeah, And it puts you in that mindset where you may have a split personality mm. because when I'm my, my wife, I'm one way. When I'm with these people, I'm another way. Yes.
2: Yes. And, and yes.
0: then uh, it can go the, the exact same way you know, just like you were talking about your your wife, you as a man wanted her to be a certain way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now she's like, wait, I thought you wanted me to be like this. Now I'm confused. Right. What, and, what do you want? Right. And <laughs> then what we have to, what we have to understand is, and you said it so eloquently, it's not God as people because God is not the author of confusion. Come on. The reason why we have confusion in Jesus. our minds and in our marriages is because we're confusing one another. God has already laid down the principles. When we put our stuff into it, that's where the confusion comes in. So when we get confused, we start to think, I'm crazy. Mm. I'm not right in the head. When really, we just need to get some Mm. guidance from individuals that are trained, individuals that are close to God. And then not only get that guidance, then we got to do something with it Mm. because it does no good if I pour water in a bucket and I know how to drink from it.
1: Come on. Come on, you You know, and before you come on Pastor, because I feel it all up in the, the Shondo, um, is I'm going to say this too, just how you were speaking about with your wife and we got like five minutes left. So we're going, we're going, you know, just like you were speaking about your wife, wives do that all the time. And like I've, I've shared several times on this show, you know, Mr. King had to lightly pull it. He had to lightly. Uh, uh, check me in the name of Jesus <laughs> and let me know he was not the bishop. I don't think I per se said, I, but where I messed up is I said, well, bishop said men are supposed to be. That's where I messed up. And I think, especially in the church, um, that last question is a lot of wives, you put these high unrealistic expectations on your husband about how he should be and, in order for you to leave this home. But, but, but the thing is, okay, let, let's come out the church building for just a minute and come back into the house. The house, like you were saying with these babies, they confused. And then the parents is like, well, I thought we raised you. Right. We raised you in the church because you're making the church responsible for raising your kids when the word of God says that it's you that should raise them kids, just like your marriages tore up. So you mad because your husband won't get his hind parts up and come to the church, but your house is messed up. I don't care how often, You run to the church building. If your church and your home is not in order, it ain't nothing that the church building, the pastor, the elder, the Pope, the prophetess, it ain't that they can do. And it bothers me when people put so much responsibility on the church and the leadership of the church when you know your house was tore up in the beginning and neither will the wife or the husband humble themselves to go before God, to communicate with each other, to go before the man and God, a woman of God in church, or even to go to counseling. What you got, Pastor? The church, the pastor should be your example.
2: Pastors, we should lead by example. And when the people of God begin to idle us, then we are no longer leading by example. We are dictating and controlling people's minds. Then we are operating in witchcraft. Oh, y'all didn't want me to go there. We are operating in witchcraft. And this is why people are in bondage. Because now we're not leading by example. When I go to a church and I don't see the pastor serving too, I have a problem. Because that lets me know that he is now not leading by example. He just wants people to serve him. So when I see, so so, so I did something, I know we got two seconds, right? I did something in December. I shut our church down and people thought I was crazy. I thought I was crazy. We had people, we had 50 people, we we were good, right? And the Lord said, shut it down. And I said, God, why? He says, because what's happening is, is that people are starting to idle you and have gotten comfortable with you. Wherein, if they are not serving with you, then this becomes another church that's operating out of Christendom, that's operating out of witchcraft and my presence is not there. So then the spirit of Ichabod comes in. That means that the spirit of the Lord has left The family. Just not the church. It was the family. He left the family. He was no longer there. And God says, no, sit it down. And sometimes you got to know as a leader when to say enough is enough. You're now idling me and it's time for you to go. It's time for you to see. Let me tell you something. If a woman serves her pastor more than she serves her husband, that's that's uh, you're operating out of order. Goodness gracious! If the man of God is operating in, in serving his pastor more than he is serving his household, he is out of order. And what we have done is is that we have told people to serve God's house more than they serve their own house, and then the house is disconnected. You cannot you cannot serve in God's house if your house is out of order. That is what that scripture is saying. And for so long we have told people serve the house, serve this house, serve the house, serve the house. No, if I cannot serve serve my wife well. And if I do not serve her well, I cannot serve the people of God on Sunday well. Hmm? Because I am out of order. If my children are out of order and they do not listen to their father, huh? come on here. And then I try to tell these people what to do. Something is wrong because I am not serving them well. Keep your house in order. Can I say that? That's what he said. Get your house in order. And for so long, we have we want the house of God to resemble what our house don't look like. Mm. And that is not something we can continue to do. That's why the church is falling apart, because we want to come. Listen to this. We don't Bible study with our children. Come on here. You don't pray with your spouse. Come on here. No, you don't. Stop lying to yourself. No, you do not give God two hours and 40 minutes of your day to him, because guess what? If you're going to just tithe and you're going to just say that's money, no, that should be with your time, too. Two hours and 40 minutes. How many of us give God two hours and 40 minutes, but then when something goes wrong in our household, we don't know what to do?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, Pastor, listen, mm-hmm. y'all. Listen, this is Pastor Graves. You hear me? Real quick, sir, can you let the people know how to get in contact with you if they seeking counsel and whatnot? And we're going to shut down this first show in the month yes. of May. Hey, you can go on any social media platform, and I am
2: at the sign Pastor J Graves. Um, you can go on any of my websites, pastorjamel.com or txchristiancounselor.org, um, and you can find us there. If you're ever looking for a church home to be connected with, go to ceochurch.net, and you will find us there. And we are so excited just to be in the community. We're in. We're located here in Garland, Texas right now. Uh, we're going to be planting a new ministry. So if you're looking to be connected for a church that is family-oriented, marriage reconciliation, this is the place you need to be. So we're excited about, about all of that.
1: Marriage Mondays with the Kings is brought to you by Christian Humor 4 slash Inspiration, which is a group that's designed to uplift, inspire, and bring humor to everyday life in a Christian way. If you are on the social media, please check them out simply by going to search them on Facebook at Christian Humor 4 slash Inspiration. Then we have Hope, which is helping our patrons evolve. Hope is a space for all veterans and their loved ones to come and feel like they are understood. Veterans around the globe suffer every day from a pain they cannot escape. HOPE offers encouragement for those who are searching for a place to connect. Let us be a supportive resource as you travel along your journey. HOPE is not for mental health services. For that, you will have to find a supportive mental health resource within your community or at your local Veteran Health Administration. For more information, please visit their website at HopeVeteranStrong.com. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Prolific moves start here with Prolific Realty. Visit their website at ProlificRealtorsWithAnS.com or call Alexis White at 254-702-5332. Join us back next Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And as always, keep it locked right here on KRGN 98.5 FM, The The Rock.
2: Rock.